welcome to another episode of the Worthy for 30 podcast. I'm uh, delighted to introduce uh, some past guests, some friends, some new friends to the show to talk about a really important uh, topic, uh, especially with all the news that's going around about financial uh, instability and economic uncertainty, which is underrepresented founders and entrepreneurs. Uh, first, I want to introduce uh, Aubrey Flynn, who's a returning guest uh, to the Worthy for 30 podcast. Uh, Aubrey is the uh, CEO and founder of Goals Ventures. Uh, we have Mr. Salim Holder, uh, who is the co-founder and CEO of Fourth Ave Market. And then we have Kate uh, Brodick, who's the part, who's a partner in the W Fund and also is a, a, a partner or founder in Switch. Uh, yes, CEO. Or which was formerly yep. CEO. Ex- ex- excellent, excellent. So uh, first, uh, you know, I, I always like starting this, uh, starting the conversations off with just some background and evolution of how each of you got to where you are today. So Kate, uh, because you're new to the show, uh, we'd love for you to introduce yourself and what, you, what you're up to. Awesome. Thanks. And I'm so glad to be here. Uh, good topic and joining some great uh, fellow panelists. Uh, I'm Kate Brodock. I've been in the, the um, tech startup space for about 15, 20 years. Started out as an operator early stage, so I could tell you CMO, COO stuff, but obviously jack of all trades. And really quickly early on, got pretty heavily involved around issues of uh, gender and representation in the space. I was part of, and then for a number of years, ran a large global organization that focused on women in technology and entrepreneurship. We had about 60 chapters around the world at one point. And in 2016, I was able to actually merge those two kind of parallel paths. I took over an organization called Women 2.0. It's a for-profit, for-good out of Silicon Valley. It had been around since 2006. We rebranded to Switch last year, and we have a large number of programs for early-stage women and underrepresented-led founders, pitch sessions, accelerator programs, founder coaching, that sort of thing. A big focus on capital access. We have a number of programs also on the capital side. So we train women angel investors, do a large amount of like empathy training in the space, everything from startups all the way to large corporates. We're really firm believers of having empathy at the core. Well, really anything. (laughs) But in this particular case, that real drive towards when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we really feel that empathy is like really one of those core foundations. And then uh, general partner at the W Fund. So as you might imagine, early stage women and underrepresented led technology startups, VC fund. So uh, excellent, excellent. And we'll, we'll get more into that in, in just a, in just a few minutes. So, uh, Mr. Salim, please uh, love to hear about your background. You know where you started and where you are today. Yeah, so I, you know, I started with, um, you know, after I got my MBA, I started working in brand management marketing. Where I did it for about eleven years or twelve years. I worked with companies like Kimberly Clark, managed brands like Kleenex, Kotex, Cottonelle. I managed Jameson Irish Whiskey, men's grooming brands, etc. And uh, you know, honestly, I was having a, a great experience with it. My career was moving forward. I was growing businesses by millions of dollars. But I kind of had an epiphany, and I was like, you know what? Number one, if I could do this for them, I could probably do it for me. And I think the other part, which was even more, which compelled me to take the leap was I just didn't feel fulfilled by what I was doing on a, on a daily basis. I couldn't see how the things I was doing was actually having an impact on the communities I'm a part of or those that I, I, I live in. And so as a result, I took those both epiphanies and said, you know what, I'm going to step out. And I stepped out on faith 
and decided I was going to chart my own path. Wasn't exactly sure where I was going to go, but I was like, I know it's not where I am. And the only way to do something different is, so that's what I did. And, uh, you know, when I jumped out there, I just started to pursue a few opportunities. And, you know, I came on this opportunity where I had another epiphany where this woman had this business. It was an e-commerce company, it's multicultural, ethnic care, care, personal care products as she termed it. And um, she was really ready to retire. And so I was like, well, wait a minute. I think I could do something with this. So I called my partner now, who's about 15 years of technology experience, software engineer, et cetera. And I said, well, with your technology experience and my marketing experience, I think we can take this platform and turn it into something special. And, you know, what started out as an opportunity for us to really just drive awareness and greater distribution of the products in marketplace, I started to realize pretty quickly there weren't many places. And this was right before George Floyd and, and COVID and everything. There wasn't many places where consumers, as black consumers, consumers of color, that they can go as a consolidated location where they could find the products that really work for them. What I recognize is there was kind of two choices that we had as consumers. We could choose to go to the stores, like the large stores, Walmart, Walgreens, et cetera. And they tend to have a small section of products for us on the shelf, the, the, the ethnic set, as it was termed. And it usually had just a few products that were owned mostly by much larger companies and organizations. And a lot of those products weren't the most effective products on the market. And so a lot of consumers didn't even shop there for those products. Where we would go was to the beauty supply stores that were in our community. The challenge was they weren't owned by people from the community. And you could hear story after story of consumers going into these stores and having the most challenging, I, I guess is the nice way to say it, experiences. You know, And I kind of looked at it and said, wait a minute, as consumers that are spending upwards of $2 billion a year, we're being forced to choose between stores that don't have what we want and stores that don't want us in there. And so when we created Fourth Ave Market, I started to realize the opportunity was much bigger than just selling products to our consumers and to our community. It was truly an opportunity for our community to come together and to take greater ownership. We're 85% of sales of ethnic and hair care, ethnic and multicultural hair care products, but yet we own 7% of the stores. And so I realized that there was a much bigger opportunity for that really stood for about economic empowerment in the community, which is really why the name Fourth Ave Market, which is another Black Wall Street in Birmingham, Alabama, that, you know, it had grown over time. So we named ourselves after that to pay homage back to the values that Fourth Ave District was built on. That was really about seeing the dollar go around the community and adding value back to the community and not just taken from the community. And so with that, I've just... Last four years, five years, I've been just pushing forward with Fourth Ave Market, and um, it's been a really exciting journey so far. Excellent. And, and before we get to, to talk to Aubrey about Gold Ventures, would love for you to just because again, it's a really good uh, segue here in terms of not only serving your community and serving the consumers, but Salim, you're also serving the entrepreneurs who serve those same consumers and and communities. So, love to talk about for you to talk about again empowering those entrepreneurs. Yeah, you know what, uh, you know, I, I recognize it's like there was a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that were from the community that just didn't have the opportunity to get out there to get their products out there. Um, but what I recognize in that they had the idea, they knew what products they want. And even with a lot of barbers or stylists, they knew how to do hair, but maybe they weren't the best at doing business. And so I was like, you know what we could do is we can actually give them the skill set, teach them digital marketing skills, teach them some other skills. And where that had started with just entrepreneurs, it actually led to us actually creating other programs for just people in the community to be able to get skills where you don't need to get a college degree for. And then we allow them to practice those skills on our platform in real time. 
And so what happens is those people from the community, they learn digital marketing, how to create ads. We partner them with entrepreneurs from our website. Now they have marketing help and marketing assistance, creating ads, email campaigns, et cetera. And it's truly been a phenomenal, you know, it's been phenomenal. Like it's, it's a 360 now. Everybody's benefiting. We got people getting experience, people getting marketing help. The platform's growing. And it really has been, you know, that fourth app district was about seeing that dollar go around the community. We're recreating that right online right now. And, you know, it's taken some time to, to get there, but we're, we're working towards it. So it's been pretty amazing. Sure. The flywheel of profit and purpose. And we'll, we'll get we'll get to that a, a little later on. Uh, Mr. Aubrey, uh, love to, for you to talk about Goals Ventures and how you got to founding Goals Ventures. So I uh, founded Goals Ventures after about 15 years of working with some of Forbes' greatest business minds and some Fortune 500 brands and really finding myself at a point where I wanted to transition into a space of giving back to my community at scale. Uh, while working with guys like Sean Diddy Combs, I was able to bring in interns and executives and groom them uh, into thriving uh, business people and even uh, mentor entrepreneurs along the way. But I said, how do I take the dozen or so individuals that I've that I've helped mentor and really scale that to millions to really empower this generation of creators to succeed? So uh, I transitioned in 2019 into Goals Ventures, uh, really doing business as Goals Media Group. And since then, we've cultivated a community of about 600 entrepreneurs and brands. Companies like Amazon are part of the network, influencers uh, like Charles Barkley and his brand Redmont Vodka, um, Indigo by Snoop Dogg, uh, Judge Judy, her new show Judy Justice is a part of our network. Uh, so really excited to provide uh, digital transformation and services in the space of social digital advertising, e-commerce, search engine optimization, and just customer relationship management as, as part of a software as a service model that you can also do yourself or uh, leverage our team and our concierge services where we'll come in and do the work for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's Goals Media Group, and then you have Goal Supply, right, to, to show like the own and operated DTC end of things? Precisely. So the vision is really to provide a vertically integrated solution for our community of entrepreneurs. So when we started to work with brands, we wanted to make sure that we had a retail uh, opportunity for them. So we built an online store and we populated the store with our own products that we were partnering with manufacturers on. And now we're working with entrepreneurs in our network to create their brands. And we're providing consulting on the innovation and new product side, as well as the sales, uh, manufacturing and customer relationship management side when dealing with some of these bigger uh, Fortune 500 retailers. So it's starting to get really exciting. We're seeing growth 2x year over year uh, since we've grown uh, and since we uh, were founded. Uh, 
And yeah, it's just it's really great to be able to provide some value to the community in the form of of merchandise uh, retail. When you scan the codes, the QR codes in the merchandise, it actually opens up our mobile app where you not only can shop products, but you can also get access to business consultation, uh, you know, business reviews, audits using our AI um, you know, so check out the goals app.ai when you got a chance and and definitely uh, kick the tires, if you will, uh, and let us know what you think. Excellent. Uh, and you said 600 entrepreneurs. And when we first spoke, Aubrey, well, what was really interesting is your North Star, why you founded Goals Ventures was really to help shrink the wealth gap. Uh, what is and you mentioned a 2025 goal. What is that 2025 goal in terms of onboarding entrepreneurs to the Goals platform? Yeah, so. Our goal by 2025 is to have about 35,000 businesses in our community. But we just did a partnership with the National Business League. Uh, the National Business League has a database of over 100,000 minority-owned businesses. And the goal now is to help digitize 1 million businesses. Uh, so through partnership uh, we, and collaboration, uh, we can do a lot more, uh, and that's why it's really important for us to work together as a community. Uh, right now, we're also working with Loyola Marymount University on research and development in the Web3 space, really cultivating an online virtual mall for our entrepreneurs to gain more awareness and engagement around their products and services. So... Yeah, the, the, the short term goal is 35,000, but we're definitely looking to digitize 1 million with our partnership with the MBL by leveraging Web3 services from the blockchain to NFTs, you know, utility tokens, uh, so on and so forth with Loyola Marymount University. So a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline. Excellent. And, and in terms of, you know, both a question for Salim and for Aubrey, you know, as you founded your business and as you're scaling your business, is the the revenue that you're that you're generating, is that being reinvested into the business to, to maintain its growth? Or are you also seeking outside, you know, let's say again, we have Kate here, uh, institutional investment into your businesses to help it grow? Just love to, to understand. I don't know if that if so yeah, I, I could say, um, yeah. So for, for me, I'm absolutely reinvesting the funds back into the business to go to business. You know, as far as I see it, we're still at the beginning stages, you know, and we're really trying to make sure that we can scale our growth. At the same time, we've, we've gone out earlier. We've gone out to get some investment. We got some investment. We kind of scaled back on the efforts going after fundraising. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work trying to get that fundraising or doing fundraising itself. And so we're absolutely open to um, outside investors. At the time, we hadn't gone. I'm not aggressively looking for other investors. At the same time, um, it would be amazing. I think we'd be able to scale much faster if we were to have the right investors. You know, I would say that it's important to us that there's alignment with the vision, that it's not just a transactional relationship, that there's a strategic purpose to that money, that there's someone that has not just the money, but the vision, the ability to help advise or other partnerships that they can open doors for us. And and for us, I think um, I've been really, really, I don't know if strict is the right way to say it, but I've been really focused on making sure that there is that right synergy, there's that right fit. Aubrey, what about yourself? Absolutely. I mean, we provide 150 complimentary content and strategy sessions 
every month to entrepreneurs as well as seats to the platform, uh, which provide access to social media tools, digital advertising tools. So all of these products and services are provided up front in addition to um, personalized digital audit. So, you know, these tools, uh, this time uh, from our concierge team, obviously uh, costs us as an organization. So the goal is to be able to increase how many businesses we can provide this value to upfront. And strategic investment is a really great tool when it comes to being able to provide said value upfront. Uh, the great news is we've, we have a proven business model that supports the idea that a percentage of our audience will actually convert and begin to invest in themselves and their business. Um, and, and by virtue of doing that, we're able to have a growing, profitable organization that's been bootstrapped for the last few years. Uh, you know, but to Salim's point, it's really important when you're a mission-based organization that you align with the right partners that see your vision long-term and aren't just in it for the short-term success. Excellent. And, and uh, you know, just want to, uh, not shift gears, but Kate, you know, based on what Salim and, and Aubrey are saying in terms of, you know, growing their business, whether it's bootstrapped and now, you know, they're, they're reaching an inflection point of looking for institutional investors. We'd love to hear your perspective. You know, I imagine uh, what they're saying is not dissimilar from some of the conversations you've had with all the founders that you talk to on a daily basis. Yeah. And, um, you know, so the switch, which is the organization I run, you know, functions very similarly. We're not a, we're not a high growth company. We're, we're serving the community. Um, we have a business model around that and, you know, there's a certain number of a certain type of investor. If you were to get into that realm, that would support that. And you would, we would always want to make sure that those, whether it's an investor or a partner or a sponsor, we do a lot of sponsorship, absolutely mission aligned. Um, when it comes to high growth capital, which is what on the VC side and this, the type of companies we serve are normally looking for, that is, especially over the past two decades, has really become, I think, much more important. You know, two decades ago, it used to be, just as I think Aubrey was saying, like very transactional, right? It was, here is a check in my investment, please go return my money and make me a lot more. Right. And so it's become a lot of the the power, so to speak, has shifted over to the founder side. And additionally, the number, the amount of capital and the number of firms in this space has made it so that it's actually it becomes a little competitive between firms. And a lot of the discussion now is, OK, what are you doing actually beyond that check? And reputation matters. And certainly based on the type of company that you're running, you know, whether your mission is similar to the three of us or whether your mission is, you know, to go out and make make legal available to everybody, right? You want to have those investors and that capital that is going to be well aligned on that. And then additionally, those investors as humans you want to make sure that they are aligned with you as a founder and not just going to be hitting this from a straight return standpoint. That is a, a, 
a big area that I talk to founders about is, is that piece too, is, you know, at the end of the day, investors are investors. And some of them are over here on the spectrum of transaction. And some of them are over here on the spectrum of this is an entire system. We're also here to serve the founders, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a big conversation and it's an important one for all the reasons that, that, you know, we're talking about here, different type of money, but same, you know, same stuff. The same stuff. Again, it's, it's, it's above and beyond. It's, again, it's, it's, it's mission aligned, you know, with the, with the check. So for the founder, whether it's, again, us here on the phone or the people who are, who are going to be listening to this conversation, Kate, how can they approach those conversations? Like what would be that first step you would suggest to that founder Who's looking for that that mission aligned investor? Yeah, I I always say, listen, when you're talking to investors, you get to interview them too. I, this is not just a straight one way street. You ask them questions in that you know their first couple of meetings is what are you doing for your founders? Like, give me some examples. Can I can I chat with some of your portfolio companies? What is your involvement in the ecosystem outside of your fund? Are you providing mentorship to accelerator programs? You know, are you giving of, of yourself and your firm? Are you educating found? You know, that type of stuff is sort of like, what is the fuller package beyond that, that check? And I think there are a lot of signals that you can either ask for or ascertain that will give you, um, will give you that picture. Uh, you know, one thing I, Going back to what Salim and Aubrey were saying, too, when we talk about mission alignment, because I think both of you probably can get as frustrated as I get about this. But, you know, sometimes you also get money opportunities that are what we like to call diversity theater. It's the money that really is like a checkbox, right? We've got to do a thing for a community or for a whatever. And the heart really isn't there. And I think that probably both of you have all come across too. And I think that goes into mission alignment too, is, you know, if you're, if you're getting money when you are a, an extremely mission aligned person and organization, and you feel like the money is coming forward with some check boxes attached to it, that also isn't going to be as, you know, foundationally supportive as you probably would like it to be too. And that goes for high growth tech startups and, you know, sort of all, all money that is coming into your business that is not, you know, earned organic um, and is, is coming from somebody else. Gotcha. Uh, no, that's, and that's a, that's a great, you know, again, it's, it's nuanced because on the face of it, like you, you don't, you don't know unless, unless you ask, not ask a question, but at least you dig deeper. So the other question, you know, just to follow up on that, Kate, so, uh, the founder who's again who's looking to find that 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 investor or that mentor or that accelerator specifically with switch for example you know again coming out of this conversation you know if, for any of us or again the people who are listening who are interested in learning more where do they where can they go to 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 find to find those accelerator opportunities or to find those mentorship opportunities yeah it's funny you ask because I, I I don't know why we haven't done it or somebody else hasn't done it and just done like a big actual database around it. Um, we've talked about it, but it's a beast. There should be one, but you, I mean, there are corporates that have them. So they're actually coming out of corporate. 
there are all, there are a load of um, accelerator educational incubator type of programs that are standalone. Oftentimes, honestly, if you search for it, let's say you're building a sustainability focused company of some sort, you can often honestly just search for them. If you do that and you're doing sort of cold searching, I always, always suggest trying to find somebody affiliated with the programs to understand more, somebody who's gone through the program, something like that, or is associated with the organizing organizing body, whatever it may be. And then there are some of the the big ones too. You know, there's you know, in, in my space that looks like a Techstars. Um some of them are are better than others. I, I personally think Techstars is great. So they're they're really all over the place. And I really think honestly the the really important thing to ask yourselves in in that search is not what are the programs, but really how to assess each of the programs. You can you can almost always find a program. You want to make sure that finding the right program is that's really the key. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. No, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, no, that's that's good. I was just going to mention too. There are a lot of programs that are that come out of aca, academic or government functions too. Like here in New York, we've got like NYSERDA is out of you know the the state government, um, but it's for startups. Um, there's a, a Columbia based, and they, it, it's not just dealing with Columbia based companies, but you know, so it's that type of thing too. There, there are a lot lot of good programs out there. Excellent, excellent, and and you know part of the you know part of the, the genesis of having this panel, you know, when I was talking to Aubrey, you know, Aubrey was mentioned. This is when we first recorded uh, a few months ago. All energies connected, right? And I and I've and I've like perseverated on that point. Like all energies connected, meaning all good energies connected. And again, if we if we work collectively and work collaboratively, great things can happen from good from that good energy. Um, and and what's uh, what's what's also like frustrating for me is you know I, I know I know each of you you're incredibly intelligent, incredibly driven. Uh, what you're building are, are really purpose led uh, companies. You know again that that nexus of uh, profit and purpose. But one thing that's frustrating is that I read headlines that two percent of VC dollars. And again, Kate, love for you to chime in. Go to minority founders. Go to women. Is it the right yardstick or the KPI? Like, or, or, and if it is, how do we change the com- how do we change the dial? So that's actually like a really good question. And just for the stats, so it's one point nine percent of U.S. based funding goes to women led startups. It's significantly worse for women of color. Like, like so far below one percent. It's insane. Um, and you just start breaking, you get intersectional on it and it's, you don't even want to think about it because 1.9% is already pathetic enough. Let's be honest. Like, I think that's a really good question. I think it's a good, it's a good benchmark because it is indicative of what the beast of the industry, how they're currently functioning. And so if we want to talk about capital access, and we have that number in front of us. And by the way, it's gone down the last year and down from the year before. It shouldn't be doing that. That to me is indicative of the mindset of the entire industry. So then you have choices in front of you. Do you work to change the structure which I do think is important. That is an enormous amount of money that if we don't try to change that is a lot of money on the table, right? 
And then also, do you try to create new opportunities? In my opinion, the answer is yes to both. But when you start to look at that breakdown, especially if you know that it's down, it is, I would at least say, one good benchmark, mainly because it's so awful and, and again, getting worse. So that, that is saying something to us. And that is an, it's important to listen to that. <laughs> right, right, and and and, and try to change the narrative because you know, I, I, you know, when, and I, I'd rather I let Salim and Aubrey talk about this. But in addition to driving profits and running a sustainable business, they're also and they and they say give back to the community. They're also mentoring. They're also creating the backbench of, of future founders. And and Salim, I'd love to, for you to 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 provide the panel with you know some of the the experience and some of the things that you've been do- doing in terms of mentoring not uh, you know young students but also you know college and 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 business school students with regards to again uh, creating that opportunity yeah you know it's it's interesting as we talk about this is it's one of the main things that for me it was if I can't get a seat at the table well maybe I need to create my own table. And I feel like, you know, it wasn't just me. There's quite a few us in the community. And it's like harking back to Black Wall Street. Well, it was like we had our own table. We didn't need anybody else. We was like running the banks, the schools, everything. It was a self-operating community. And we obviously, for many different reasons, have gotten away from that in certain certain circumstances. And so that has always been like the core driver for what I've been trying to do. And as I thought about it, is that whole part of building the talent pipeline, not just for my organization, but for other organizations that are out there to have more people that are on the side of those companies that have the funds to be able to invest so they can give a different perspective or to be uh, in the boardrooms of companies that are saying we should come up with these products or we should open, put these products on our shelves, et cetera. So I've worked with, you know, we've created programs with seven different HBCUs where we have HBCU students to get college credit for working with 4th Ave. They get credit for working with different uh, entrepreneurs and businesses that we have on the platform. You know, we have programs where we work with homeless shelters, women's shelters, foster care students, where their students that are aging out of foster care or their people who now they're looking and say, you don't need a college degree in order to do things like digital marketing or jobs where you don't need coding experience to go into cybersecurity or into AI. And these are things that are continuing to grow, paths that are continuing to grow. And for whatever reason, usually when these new technologies and these new things, these shifts happen, these are the communities that are left behind. And so what I said is we don't have to be left behind because there's fewer barriers from a degree standpoint. We can give them the skills. We can teach them the skills and experience, plug them in, let them get hands-on experience, and then use our relationships to plug them into different organizations, whether it's larger organizations or whether it's similar things that Aubrey's doing and finding people and finding talent and it's be able to... So that's kind of how I've looked at it. And I've been taking that approach and it started off where it's just one or two people here, there, and then it's like one student from the school and then it's the school and then it's the next school. And now we got a, a, a lot more students that are coming through the program. But I've also always understood it's not about me. It's not about them helping to build Fourth Ave. It's truly about them being able to stand on their own, economically stable, be able to pursue whatever dreams or goals they have, but have the ability to do it and not have to necessarily go through the traditional channels. So that's really what I've been doing is like I've been building that and then working with other organizations and partners and people who are aligned in that mission that can off, off, offer different resources to help us accomplish it. Um, and like I said, it's been it's been amazing, you know, to be able to, to go down this path. And, you know, like I said, we're just getting started.
And while I got the mic, I do want to say, Aubrey, I love what you're doing, man. It's amazing stuff. Hey, man, salute to you, brother. Uh, likewise, man. It's an honor to be here with with everyone, um, including yourself, brother. Congrats. And and and, uh, and, and Aubrey, you know, uh, hearing what Salim was saying in terms of uh, mentoring, again, the, the younger yeah. generations, I'd love for you to speak to yeah. your efforts. Oh, man. One of the most inspiring things that I've done in the last five years was teach my first class. I had the opportunity to partner through this organization called The Code, which is a Black-owned tech company that is building uh, basically these hubs for learning and, and, and education around tech. And they connected us with the James Baldwin High School in Brooklyn, New York. And they said, Aubrey, we know you guys do online training for executives, but we want you to do this for high school students. And I said, you know what? I want to be the first one to do the class. I'm not going to put this on anyone on the team because I wanted that experience. I wanted to feel the energy. So I get in this class. It's two hours, two days in a row every week for 12 weeks. And, you know, I got my curriculum together and I'm talking to these kids and it's a it's what they call a, a transition school. So we're talking about students that have their fair share of challenges and, and you're really helping them see through their high school education. And what we're doing is we're, we're teaching them digital marketing and advertising and the fundamentals of entrepreneurship and just to hear them get excited about learning, about technology, to be there, not only did it inspire this youthfulness in myself, uh, but it really just reinforced the idea of purpose. And when I think about underserved communities, um, especially like the ones that I come from, it's really about leadership and the lack thereof. So it, it really just so meaningful the importance of being able to give your most valuable asset, which is your time, to your community. What have you learned? What can you share? What can you give back to help that next generation? So it's, a, it's totally aligned with our mission to empower this generation to succeed in business. And like I said, it's been one of the most meaningful things I've done in a long time. So really proud of the work we're doing with the James Baldwin School and look to do more, you know, shout out to the mayor of New York. Hopefully there are other schools out there that could benefit uh, not only in the city, but throughout the throughout the nation. Mm -hmm. And, and you, you met Mayor Adams, didn't you? I did. I had I had an opportunity to talk with him about the work that we're doing and and our aspirations to scale um, the, the the platform among entrepreneurs. And he was very receptive to it. Uh, so more things coming down the pipeline uh, with regard to that in the near future. All right. Stay, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for future developments. So one thing I, I know we're running up on time. And one thing that I just want to end with here is, is, uh, is this recurring theme is the paper ceiling. Paper ceiling meaning, do I need a college education to uh, pursue this, this ambition or this aspiration? Uh, I'll start with you, Kate. You know, based on your experience, you know, speaking with founders and 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 entrepreneurs, what what is that conversation, or what 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 does that conversation entail 
uh, that you've been having with regards to the paper ceiling? I'll broaden it a little bit just to say sort of the, generally speaking, the what is your degree conversation, right? And the world that I'm in, VC, has very traditionally rewarded top 10 business school Ivy League degrees by an order of magnitude. And that is a really big conversation in the space is just reimagining experiences, leadership potential, where that leadership can or should come from. And it's also a question of data, too, is you've got a lot of firms. One of the big conversations is, okay, one hurdle that's happening is that you have these firms who are trying to make smart investment decisions based on data, but if they continue to look backwards on their data and they're using data based on things like the schools that they came from, et cetera, there can't be progress from that because you keep lining up the data points for your future investments. And like, that's a big problem that needs to be completely rethought. And so it is a big question. There are a lot of firms, ours included, that are pretty intentional about not looking at that and making sure that we are placing worth on various pieces of background, including education. It's a very important thing when we talk about things like access, especially access to capital. And when you're supposed to perform and give 10x returns, it doesn't mean you have to come from Stanford Business School. So. Right, right. And, and, and uh, I know, I know uh, here on the phone, we, know we're all, we all have at least a, a, um, an undergraduate degree. Uh, that aside, you know, it's the, the passion, it's the grit, it's the resilience that's propelling us forward, you know, in, tor- in terms of uh, running a successful business. Um, you know, again, it's a Salim Aubrey, no one's asking you like, hey, can I see your college degree before I purchase uh, one of your products? No, no. No, they 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 want to see like again that you're presenting they put to get, put forward a great product that they want to buy. But I'm a I'm a huge proponent of um, education. My mother was an educator. I'm an international baccalaureate student. But the reality is, when you come from an underserved community like me, I got it. I got an acceptance letter to Princeton, but I couldn't go because I couldn't afford it. You know, my father was a working class immigrant, right, so to speak. Um, so that opportunity, even though I could have gone there and done well, it it wasn't within reach. So I think a lot of the benchmarks that these industries have in the financial sector and otherwise just are not designed structurally to accommodate people from other communities. And we know this, right? It's no secret. It's no surprise. So like Salim said, we have to build our own table. We have to figure out a new system uh, that works within the realm of our society without ruffling too many feathers and getting it burned down, right? That's the reality of our situation. But I believe education is really important. As an entrepreneur, you learn how to learn in school. If it wasn't for me going to University of Florida, I wouldn't have gotten my internship at Blue Flame Agency with Sean Diddy Combs uh, because I needed to have that college credit in order to be a part of that. And that opened up a whole entire network. 
But again, I was able to get that through an African-American man uh, having his own business and providing opportunities to people like me. Right. So it, it really is about leadership again and, and leaders in our community affording opportunities to others. Mm hmm. I, I agree. I'm, I'm like, I'm a hundred percent like a proponent of, of education as well. And but what I've recognized is like with the cost of education continuing to go up with the value of what you get for what you're investing, continuing to go down. I recognize that there's these alternative approaches to obtain the skills and experience you need to be able to find the, the career path of, of, uh, you know, of your desire. And I think the other part is like, in many cases, we kind of devalue the life skills of people who do come from underrepresented communities who've had to be quite, quite resilient and, and, and had to overcome so many things. They bring so much more value to the table from life experience that just to add on that, a 12-week cert certification program where I could teach you how to code or I could teach you how to create ads, right? You don't need a college degree for that, right? And now all of a sudden, they bring just as much, if not even more value to the table than the other person who had the money and had the experience. They had their dad had this and that and got him into Princeton, right? I'm not devaluing those same people. I'm just saying we've been devaluing these other people for far too long and continue to push them into career paths that are that are limiting. And, and, you know, when I talk to schools and they're like, oh, well, these students, they're not going to college. So let me just send you into cosmetology. All good. No slight on cosmetologists. But that student is crazy intelligent. They might not. They might have had to overcome certain circumstances or other things. There might be another career path that could be open to them. But we haven't traditionally had that mindset that these people can go that path. And that's why I felt like these alternative learning programs can actually provide value and make it so now it's a more level playing field for these other people who are constantly overlooked, that they can get the education, they can have the life experience, bring that to the table. And I'll be honest, what I've seen is those people come into organizations and drastically turn around things because of the fact they have a completely different perspective, things that nobody else even thought of or could be able to think of because they don't have the same life experience as these individuals. And so that's, to me, where I feel like the value that a lot of organizations are missing out on and what I hope to be able to help our people from our communities be able to continue to, to get on the right, um, right footing to be able to achieve that. Yeah, our society rewards privilege. We say we reward experience and background, but we're not walking that walk. And we need to walk that walk. Right. It, it, it's, it's, it's something that you said, you know, t t you know hearing what Aubrey and, and Salim are saying. And then, Kate, what you said in terms of, wait, the, the data point, we're going to use the same data points to, for, for forward link, uh, forward looking. And but things haven't the result hasn't changed. You know, it's the, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Right. And now we're using AI to do it, which is kind of taking it to another level. It's like, wow, wait a minute, pump the brakes for a moment. Um, it's uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. AI. Oh God. And just seeing what, um, chat GPT just released, uh, plugins to make it, uh, to make Ch chat GPT even more ubiquitous and more utilitarian for anyone who wants to use AI, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a huge game changer. Um, the, the one thing I want to, again, I'm, we're coming up on time. The one thing I just want to end with and definitely want to give each of you, you know, some, some parting wisdom an opportunity to provide some parting wisdom is, uh, the other the other thing that, that keeps coming to my to my head is coming into my head is that, that Steve Jobs quote 
you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. And I think from that, those, these past experiences and what we're seeing in the past, again, there needs to be a reframe of how we think and how we approach uh, supporting and funding underrepresented founders. And how do we do that? We, we, do, we can do it collectively. We can do it by making the less familiar more familiar. I, I think you know, each of you uh, has done a great job, but how do we do that at scale? I think that's the question. You know, for the people who are listening, like, how do you how do you lean in to help, uh, again, change the narrative? So go ahead, Aubrey. I would say no man or woman is an island. And and real quick, the, the great late Andre Harrell, uh, may rest in peace. He sent me to Silicon Valley back in 2016. And I ended up meeting with these gentlemen. I was doing these videos on Instagram and I was calling them sky's the limit. These guys wanted to start a nonprofit organization to help entrepreneurs that were underserved get funding. This is in 2016. Uh, so I'm in Silicon Valley. It's my, one of my first trips there talking to guys. We start skyslimit.org. And now there are over a million entrepreneurs and mentors on the platform um, hundreds of thousands of resources have been given to underserved entrepreneurs, and it's all using blockchain technology. And we built this thing in 2016 to see it scale like that. It has been incredible just for, for me personally and professionally. So, you know, being here with you and Kate and Salim is part of it. We have to start to pool our resources, our experiences. Because one trip, one conversation can lead to a million people getting access to products and services, right? Uh, I had no idea that, you know, years later, we'd be sitting here with millions of people in our database on a blockchain organization using Web3 to decide who gets funding. But here we are, and it was just a result of some networking and, and minds connected. So I think it's really about the community and networking and pulling our resources for the right cause. Mm -hmm. a a excellent. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is amazing, Aubrey. And again, it's that, that one conversation. Cause again, it goes back to that comment, all energy is connected, all good energy. And then good energy connected turns into, into potentially great, great results, great output. Uh, Salim, love, love for you to impart some wisdom as uh, yeah. we wrap up. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, to, to Aubrey's point, you know, I think people need to also be open to having that conversation, right? To knowing like we're not competing with each other all the time. There's so much opportunity that's out here that even if you're doing the same thing, there's still enough opportunity out here, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even even sharing. And and I feel like, you know, maybe maybe often there's either people who are not sure about that. So like, I'm trying to get on my own footing. So like, let me just stay in my own path. At the same time, I think that there's also many people who are not necessarily part of this kinds of discussion. And when these discussions come up, it might make them feel a bit uncomfortable. It might make them feel like, ah, I don't know if I'm really ready to put my resources out there to really help with this. You know, I'll help from afar and say, hey, good luck. You know, but I think at the end of the day, you know, to Aubrey's point, it really is that collaboration and that, that identifying opportunities and picking up the phone and having that conversation and just seeing where the conversation goes. Sometimes it's nowhere. Sometimes it's just like Aubrey said, it's a million people now are touched just a few years later. Um, and and it, it, you, you, 
so for me, I'm always willing to pick up the phone. I'm always willing to have a conversation. Um, but you know, the whole thing is like, it's, it's not just about the profit. It's not about the dollars, it's about making change. And, you know, and that's what we're here for. Yeah, making change, making Yeah. Go ahead, Aubrey. Sorry. You know, I just think he's making a very, very important point that's resonating with me because a lot of uh, entrepreneurs of color, they they do compete with each other. And my new thing is, look at the doctors and the lawyers. There's so many of them and they're on all over the place and none of them are really out here hurting for a business. At least they don't make it look like that, right? So when we start to think about our businesses, let's let's definitely understand, like, just because you do marketing and I do marketing or you're into, you know, whatever the case may be, we can all still thrive. There are billions of people. I think what I think that's a really great point, Salim. I think that's a really important point. And there's some conditional thinking. We talk about concepts like crabs in a barrel, right? There's a lot of of therapy and trauma that needs to be worked through when it comes to that. You know, if we're being accountable and responsible about the behavior in our community. But I think that's an excellent point, Salim. I just had to had to support it. I love it. I love it. Be, be a, be a, <laughs> and there, there are doctors everywhere. There are lawyers everywhere. It's it's the abundance uh, mindset, uh, which which is great. There's opportunity for everyone. Um, Kate, uh, love for you to, for any parting words. Excellent. Excellent. So it's again, getting those, those new fund allocators online, you know, informed and online, you know, so they, they know, uh, who, you know, um, the process of seeking out the, the, the right founder, uh, to back deal flow is, is key. Well, again, I want to thank all of you for, for an incredibly, um, uh, insightful conversation, uh, enlightening conversation. Uh, I learned a, a, a few things, um, the things that are, I'm going to think about. Um, and again, it's not just a conversation in isolation. You know, when this conversation goes up, you know, my, my hope is that it will get someone or have some, it will compel someone to ask, start asking questions. How, how, do, how can I do more? I think it's the first question. How can I help? You know, again, to, to the common sentiment of the group here, uh, how can we collaborate? Again, there's, there's enough opportunity to go around. And more, more importantly, how do we support each other? Um, so again, I, I really do appreciate everyone's time uh, today. In the call, in the call notes, in the uh, in the uh, show notes, I'm going to include links to learn more about Salim's Fourth Ave Market, Aubrey's uh, uh, Goal Ventures, and Kate, you know, about a switch and, and the W funds. You know, for anyone who's interested in learning more. Um, and again, I, I really do appreciate everyone's time, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. So thank you. you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Yeah. <laughs>